This is episode 30 of the Just Get Started podcast, and my guest today is CrossFit Games champion, Lindy Barber. Let's get it started. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey, where I get to talk with some phenomenal individuals about their particular journeys and all the peaks and valleys that have come along with it, really in hopes that it'll motivate and inspire you guys to just get out there and just try to be as fulfilled as you can in life, whether that's you know starting a new hobby or a new business or maybe just doing some side hustle away from your full-time job. Um, you know, and the folks that, by the way, that are out there already getting it done, they've already gotten started and they're along on their own path. Hopefully you guys will be able to take some key insights and, and nuggets from each and every one of these guests that'll help you navigate the waters even better. So I did want to say before we jump in the episode, I'm certainly appreciative that you guys are listening in on this episode as well as maybe some others. It just means the world to me that you would spend time because I know you have so many podcast choices or other entertainment choices out there. So taking some time out of your day to listen through this, it, it's just awesome. And if you guys are enjoying the podcast, I certainly would appreciate on iTunes or Google Play, go leave me a quick review, give me a star rating. Um, it'd just be awesome to hear your feedback and you know, hopefully I can take that and continue to improve this podcast. So let's go ahead and jump into my interview today with Lindy Barber. You can find Lindy online, lindybarber.com, at lindybarber on Instagram as well. Um, she is a CrossFit athlete, a CrossFit Games champion, a fitness coach, just a really cool gal to speak with. And she's had an incredible journey, um, how she had to overcome a lot of adversity and, and persevere um, to reach the fitness goals that she wanted to reach. So we run the gamut on a variety of things in this interview from, again, her journey early on to talk about nutrition, how we even get into talking about Harry Potter a little bit. So we definitely touch a lot of different subjects here, and I think you guys are absolutely going to enjoy my conversation with Lindy. So without further ado, let's jump into my chat with Lindy Barber. Let's get it started. Lindy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining this morning. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I was excited to, uh, when you said you'd be on here, I've been wanting to talk with you for a while now. I know we have a couple mutual friends and uh, um, I know you're you're on Eric's Strong Web Podcast uh, back, I think, last year sometime. So I got to listen to that and really enjoyed your story, especially as I started to get into CrossFit and the things that you've been through. And I'm really excited for you to kind of share that a little bit and um, kind of give some feedback and insight to the audience as well. But, you know, where I wanted to start, um, you know, one of the things I was reading a lot and doing some research on you is kind of this fitness has been a part of your entire life. It looks like, you know, you've been kind of an athlete your whole life. You played a lot of sports. I'm wondering if you can start there. Um, that may be a good kind of um, ground point for us. How did you get involved early on in sports? Why was that important? Uh, was that something with your family? Did you guys do a lot of active stuff or just things you saw? I'm curious how you got involved in all this stuff when you were a kid. Yeah, absolutely. So my family overall is pretty active. Both I have an older brother and an older sister and then two older half brothers, all who have been active in sports in some way, shape or form. Some of us lasted a little bit longer in some sports. I have lasted the longest, but I think that's also a nature of I'm the baby of our family. So not only was I influenced by all of my siblings, but I loved it so much. I tried all the different sports. I watched all of my siblings do their different sports and what they wanted to try out. And so I, I just kind of 
was a sponge and sucked it all in and watched everyone else do everything and then wanted to do everything myself at the same time. I wanted to be just like all of them. So I wanted to try everything that they were doing. And I've always been a very active person in every way, shape and form. So my mom said that I was, my parents both were like that I was super active from the very beginning that I always wanted to be into things and moving and running around. And I always wanted to go places with them. I never wanted to sit still. I never wanted alone. So they basically just kind of put me into every sport and there was never a sport that came up that I was completely uninterested in. So growing up when I was really young, I basically did everything. I was, I tried basketball and volleyball and I was even a cheerleader for a second. And I was on a jump rope team for eight years and I did soccer and almost anything that I could try. I like did track meets for fun when we were on vacation because there was just a local community event. And it was really anything that I could get my hands on is what I was interested in from the very beginning until I grew up a little bit and really realized that if I had a very competitive nature inside of me and I wanted to compete and I wanted to pick a sport and really give all of my effort to it. And that ended up being soccer in my life. So then I became a soccer player really starting in ninth grade year round. That was the only thing that I was doing. I was in a competitive league. I was in, I was at my high school on our varsity team. And then I was doing camps and strength training camps and every camp that you could think of throughout the summer to get as best as I could in soccer in particular, and then continue to play soccer into college for my first two years until after my sophomore year, I just kind of lost the love and desire for it. And it became much more of a chore than it was a fun outlet for me on the varsity team. So I switched from varsity soccer my sophomore year and then went to the club soccer team for my junior and senior year and had a lot more fun helped coach a little bit, still was doing a lot of fitness stuff, played with them for my junior and senior year. And then after my senior year is when I kind of realized like, I still need to find something. I still need to be fitness. It's still part of my life. I had been, I had become a personal trainer at the RecPlex at my school at the University of Dayton and found fitness, found that fitness was something that I love to do. I liked lifting weights. I didn't want to just run all the time like I had been doing for soccer, which then led into my CrossFit competition life, which brought me here today. So that, yeah, that's definitely an interesting path. And obviously soccer drew you to, you know, for, for certain reasons and stuff. Why did, um, I'm just curious about why did you choose soccer? Is there a reason behind that? Was it the team dynamic or just, I mean, what, what was the reason you think soccer kind of caught your interest? I honestly think soccer was was my most family-loved sport. So my dad was a referee. He was an assessor for soccer referees as well. My two older half-brothers played soccer. My older sister played soccer and could have played in college if that was something that she wanted to pursue. So I think that was – they would have allowed me to choose any sport that I wanted, but – my whole family loved the sport of soccer for whatever reason. I honestly don't know exactly where that started, but uh, since that was what they loved to do and what my dad loved to watch and to be a part of, and he was on committees and the referee associations of Kentucky, which is where I grew up. So I think it was just kind of a natural path for me. And I loved the sport. I really did. And I liked the running and honestly, I was pretty good at it. So it was a fun sport for me to be a part of and to continue through with. So I definitely want to get into kind of how you discover CrossFit stuff in a second. But my curiosity is around what were you going to like, what was the career aspiration 
during college? What, what did you, the quote unquote, like, what are you going to do with your life type thing? What was that for you in those years in college? In college, I knew that it was going to be fitness related. I immediately, when I was in high school, I thought it was going to be physical therapy. I thought I was going to become a PT. I shadowed a physical therapist my senior year before I started college just to see if I could go ahead and establish my career path and my major. But once I shadowed that physical therapist, I realized that I was much more interested in working with athletes that are healthy than trying to get athletes nursed back into health. I was more interested in the taking them when they're good and making them great aspect. And I thought that was so cool. But then that's how I realized that physical therapy was not actually going to be the path for me. So I chose exercise science instead, which of course is learning about the body, how the body moves, how to make it better, how to make it stronger, the, you know, all the pathways and the energy systems. And immediately that was what I declared my major going into my freshman year. And I never looked back. So I did not know exactly what I was going to do with that. I didn't know if I was going to become some kind of a fitness coach. I didn't know at the time that being a personal trainer or being a coach of some kind could actually be a career path for me. But I knew that I wanted to be in the fitness industry. My sophomore year is when I got my first personal training certification through an online, um, through an online website and I got certified. So then I applied for a personal training gym and or personal training job at our gym and eventually moved up the ranks to running that personal training aspect at our entire Recplex and was a group fitness instructor. So I knew that I wanted to be involved somehow, but until I got involved in CrossFit and kind of graduated, I didn't know that that was actually something that was logistically possible for me to actually become a coach and a trainer as part of my career path. So give us the delta. What was the timeline of when, when did you discover, you know, the, the aura of CrossFit, right? When did, when did CrossFit come into your life? Absolutely. So really the very first time I ever dabbled was in December, like right around Christmas time of December, 2009. And that was just a very baby introduction. When I went home for Christmas, my sister, my older sister had just joined a gym, which had transformed into a CrossFit gym recently. And she was like, why don't you just come to this super fun community workout Christmas Eve morning with me and let's just do this workout. And I did it and I was like, oh, that was cool. But, you know, it was it was one of those community workouts that there was 75 different stations and you're doing five reps at each because there's 45 people there and they're trying to move people through. So I got a little introduction and across it then, but it was also kind of like confused and didn't really know what was happening and also just wanted to hang out with my sister. So didn't really follow through a ton with it there. But when I went home a couple more times, she kept bringing me back and I kept going to this CrossFit gym, took a couple classes. So then in 2010, I actually competed at the, as a part of a team at the, in Logan, Ohio at the 2010 regionals on this team, but I was no good. I was not a good athlete. I didn't really know how to do anything yet. And at, in that time, it was the regionals were completely based off of whoever wanted to run them. It was not like the regionals, which are now in the past, but not like the regionals that we've had the last couple of years. And the team competition was on every workout, you pick four of your six athletes to compete, two of your females and two of your males. So I actually only got to compete on two of the workouts the entire weekend because I wasn't good enough to actually be on this team. So that not that it was discouraging, but that was my first little taste of CrossFit competition. 
which made me have a strong desire to want to do it again. I was like, well, I wasn't good enough to be on this team. I want to get better. I want to work harder. And that kind of piqued my interest going into 2011, which then I still had the desire to be on the team, but I was still at the University of Dayton at the time. So there was no team for me to be on. So I went into the 2011 Open, which was the first year that we had a CrossFit, uh, CrossFit Games Open season. And there was actually six weeks. So I went into that CrossFit Games Open as an individual athlete because of my experience in 2010. Okay. So that, now we start kind of putting the, the pieces in play here of, of yeah. kind of getting into where, well, first, let me back up for a second. I'm curious what um is the, obviously is the, the competition got you probably for CrossFit. Was it the, um, the camaraderie? I mean, that's a big thing for me is I love the camaraderie, the people that you're, you're competing, but they're, they've become friends and, you know, it's kind of that you look forward to going to, is that, is that part of it for you as well, where you said running, where you're just kind of on your own there, you didn't really like doing that anymore. Was that part of the reason that CrossFit kind of uh, piqued your interest as well? Um, part of it. So I, I wouldn't say that it was mainly the sole reason. And that's because I came from a whole background of nothing but team sports. So I was, I was used to being on a team. I loved that aspect of it. I didn't mind doing workouts on my own. Like I didn't, I didn't have a problem going to the gym and lifting and with my headphones in and getting in that aspect. So I did like, I did like the fact that I could be on a team again. That part was appealing to me, but really it was more about, I had been a runner, right? Not a runner. I'd been a soccer player, which by default makes you kind of a runner my whole life. So I had not lifted that many weights. I had, I didn't know what my body was capable of. I knew how to do some abs. I knew how to run five miles and I knew how to do some baby air squats and lunges, whatever it was that, you know, the strength training program at the time put me on, but it was never a real focus on weightlifting and strength and getting stronger. And I was really more attracted to the fact that I felt strong and powerful. And I love the confidence that I was gaining in a whole new way, as opposed to like, I don't have to just be good on a soccer field. I can feel healthy and fit in this other manner. And then I was immediately kind of drawn to that. So I wa- I would have done CrossFit and just joined a gym and done CrossFit gyms and CrossFit workouts regardless. But then when I found out oh, wait, I can be competitive in this in whatever way. Being on a team is just a bonus at this point. Like, not only can I do all these things that are making me feel all these new sensations and feelings of strength, but now I can do it with other people again. And I I get to have that same kind of feeling. So it was definitely part of it, but it was more of how I started to see myself in a different way that really drew me to the sport itself. So... CrossFit Open week, what is it? Week three. You know where I'm going with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Talk talk through that. Talk through that squat movement. Talk through. I, I want to understand really to get in your head what was going on in those fir- first few moments. Share the story with everyone. And then we'll talk through kind of the prognosis and, and those type of things. Absolutely. So really what had happened was when I started when I started doing CrossFit a little bit more seriously, knowing that I could potentially compete in the 2011 season, what I started following based off the guidelines, the guidance of someone else who didn't really know that much about CrossFit anytime was like, Hey, I'm doing this thing called CrossFit football, which was a program that released a new workout every single day as if dot fit, just like com does right now. So I started following the CrossFit football program, which was a lot of agility straight power, speed, deadlift, squats, which of course at this point in my life, I just came off soccer. So like, this is the stuff I'm familiar with. 
my legs are strong. I have no upper body strength. So CrossFit football was something that was making me feel like I was still being successful and giving me a little confidence because I could squat, I could deadlift, I could do some agility stuff, I could do some powerful movements. So that's what I was following. But the problem with this was that I was not getting coached by a coach. I was just doing this stuff on my own and I was getting stronger. So I just kept adding weight and I didn't have any idea if I was doing really things properly or being told how, how much to, how much I should be lifting. If I should stop where I was, the fact that my butt was winking a bunch, the fact that my core was not strong at all. These were things that I didn't know. So I was having a little bit of back pain, but honestly did not really think anything of it because like I've never lifted before. So probably this happens and other CrossFitters have back pain. So cool. I'm sure it's fine. So I went into the open. I was doing really well. I was three weeks in. I had completed three weeks, starting the fourth week of six at the time. I was uh, doing my back squats on, I think it was like a Monday. So at this time, the workouts were released on Thursday and you had until Monday to complete that, or they were released on Wednesday, I'm sorry. And then you had until Monday to complete them. So I was officially done with the three weeks. I was starting the fourth week. I was doing my back squats, which was on my programming at the time. I was in a normal set and I had a normal weight for me at the time on the bar. I had done two or three reps. I got to the bottom of, I think was the fourth rep. And I tried to come up out of the hole. And all of a sudden I felt a horrible snap in my low back. Thank God I had the catches up because I collapsed underneath the barbell. The bar slammed onto these catches. I rolled onto the floor and I wasn't in immediate pain. So I just kind of laid there it felt like someone had smacked me in the back with a baseball bat. I had no idea what had happened. And then I kind of laid there for a second, assessed my, the guy that I was dating at the time was there. And he just was like, are you okay? What's going on? And I was like, I'm just going to try to stand up. But as soon as I went to try to get up off the ground, lots of searing pain, I could not stand up. Then I started crying because I knew that something had happened and I was unable to get myself up off the floor. So he had to pick me up carry me home, put me in the car. And then I literally laid on the ground for the next three days trying to figure out what had happened with my body. So I didn't know what was going on. I didn't understand. I had never had pain like this before. Nothing like this had ever happened to me. There's no way that I had just ruined, you know, some part of my spine and that I didn't understand. I just didn't understand what was going on until he had, um, a family member actually that was in the area that was a chiropractor who he finally called the guy after we realized, oh, this isn't going away. Like this isn't just a little strain. This isn't something that we can just ignore. Let's actually get you in to see somebody and see what he says. So I finally went to go see this chiropractor and I was still, I still could not stand fully upright and I needed to have someone help me to walk in the door. So once the chiropractor saw this and realized, oh, this girl is in a lot of pain still, he immediately said, let's take some x-rays. I'm not touching you until we figure out exactly what's going on in there. So I was like, okay, let's go get this in my head. I'm like, let's get this over with. I was having a lot of pain in my right hip, in my right hip area. So all I thought was that my hip was out of place. I just wanted it to pop it back in. And then I thought that I would be better and that I could go back. And like, I have a competition this weekend. I got to get back. Like I got it. You got to fix me. So he took the x-rays when he came back in, you know, he had the dreaded words of, we need to talk like okay so immediately I knew this was not a quick fix this is something that he wants to talk about and he does not have a happy look on his face and I don't think he's gonna just pop my hip back into place so he put the x-rays up on the screen 
And basically what he told me was that I had three spinal conditions that I did not have any idea that I had at this time. I had scoliosis, I had spina bifida in my L5, which is your lowest L5 vertebrae. And what had just happened was a traumatic event of something called a spondylolisthesis, which basically means that that L5 vertebrae that had the spina bifida in it already, so it was already a really weak point in my back, had now broken on either side all the way through. So the snap that I felt was the breaking of my L5 vertebrae underneath that barbell. And he kind of explained that the right side of that vertebrae had already broken through at some point in my life at some other time. And that this traumatic event, for whatever reason, this back squat was the final back squat and my back couldn't handle it anymore. So that L5 vertebrae had broken all the way through. After some me crying, trying to understand what he was telling me. Obviously, all these thoughts are going through my head about how and why, and this can't be, and how did I not know these things, and how did they not pick up on this earlier? I obviously become to realize that I can't, I can't complete the open anymore. I'm still in so much pain. He basically tells me that I need to go have MRIs and I need to go talk to a surgeon and I need to get a lot more stuff done. So in this moment, I'm real or I am coming to the realization that I think at the time that this sport that I had just fallen in love with immediately had just been ripped away from me. So it was a lot for my first individual competition, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot there. Um, well, and, and then you had to take off like six months, right? Where you just kind I of did, yeah. So after that, I basically went back to Kentucky. So now the school year was over, so I didn't need to be in Ohio anymore. So I went back to Kentucky. I went to a the spine specialist that worked with the U of L teams. So he worked with the football teams and all these other teams for the University of Louisville. So I went and saw him. I got an MRI. That MRI confirmed everything that the chiropractor up in Ohio had said. He told me the exact same things. You need to rest. You can't do any exercise. This need, We need to try to give this time to heal. He put me in a bone stimulator. So I laid on my belly every day, 30 minutes for four months with this bone stimulator on my back, this little ultrasound gel, which was supposed to try to stimulate healing. After those four months of doing absolutely nothing but standing up in the morning, maybe going for a walk and wearing a bone simulator, I went back, I got another updated MRI. And basically after all this bone stimulation and rest, what had happened was the break that I had on either side of that vertebrae, the rough edges where it had broken had now smoothed off, but they had smoothed off independently of one another, which means that we had basically solidified the fact that my vertebrae was now in three pieces because of the spina bifida and the break on either side, instead of having any signs of healing back into one whole vertebrae, which of course was not great news. Like he was like, well, the bone stimulator worked, but not in the way that we wanted it to work. So then it was an option of him telling me that, well, since this is the way that your body is now, we have an option of surgery, which then they go in there, they push the vertebrae back together, and then they try to screw it back together to make it one whole solid piece again. But because of the way that my bone was healing slash not healing at all, there was no guarantee that my body was going to accept that treatment. So we could just reject the screws, which would then have them to go back in, have to take the screws out. And then I would have to go through this healing process all over again. So without a guarantee that it was going to help, there was no way I was going to let them just go dig around in there with their fingers crossed, hoping 
that it would work. Like that just was not an option to me. And at this time I had graduated with my exercise science degree. So he, the next thing he goes to tell me is that, well, I, he knows what CrossFit is. He was like, I understand that you just started, but listen, this is the way your body is. This is how it's going to be. It's not going to change that lifting weights is just not for you. It's not something that you're going to be able to do. It's not something you're ever going to be able to do without pain. You're never going to be able to squat again normally. It's just not something that I would ever recommend that you try to take up. And I was like, okay, like, obviously, again, this is another in my head, like he's taking away everything that I just found. This doesn't even make sense. Like, how does that make sense that I can't squat again and that I can't lift again and I'm always going to be in pain? As an exercise scientist at this time, that it's not, it's not settling with me in my head that I should just give up. He's basically telling me at 22 years old that it's over, that I'm done, that my career is done, and that I should basically just give up and become like a runner or a swimmer or something that might be a little less impact to my life. What did you do during this? I, I'm just curious on the six months, like what was going through your head? I mean, because it's, I mean, I always... We always talk about the you know, where we're at today and, you know, we kind of breeze over sometimes the, the things that was a real life, like struggle for you for those several months. What was the self-talk? What was, how did you stay positive during that time? Was there anything you did or um, anything you read to, to kind of keep motivated at least or? Not, honestly, not a lot. So that in that time, I was kind of in this weird place because I had started competing but not really, right? So I had like barely, barely started any aspect of real CrossFit games aspirations or individual competition aspirations because I had just gotten a tiny taste of it. So it wasn't like I felt at the time that he was crushing all my hopes and dreams and goals. It was honestly more during those, during those months that I was very hopeful that I could even just get back to lifting again. Like I had talked about, I had just found this this sense of strength and power and determination in this new sport to become this strong human being. And that was what I didn't really want to give up. Like, yes, I still wanted to compete, but competition in my head was not something that I was immediately worried about. I just, I didn't want to be in pain and I wanted to heal. So I tried my best during those six months to do as much as I could to just take my mind off the fact that I was healing and I was broken. So that is actually... I don't know if you know how much about me, but that's actually when I started my Harry Potter obsession was during those six months because I actually worked in a gym just as like an intern cleaning. And I was supposed to be interning and shadowing some classes, which I didn't end up doing. But when I was working these open gym hours is when I started reading the Harry Potter series. And I ended up reading all of them and watching all of the movies during that six month period. So that actually started my love for Harry Potter. And it's not that... Harry Potter like got me through my dark days, but it was a really awesome, great outlet for me to think about something else and to put me in a different world that wasn't the current, could be very negative world that I was currently in. So that's kind of how I fell in love with it at that time and remain in love with it every day. But I didn't, there was no, I didn't read any like self-help or motivation books. I really just tried to wake up appreciate the fact that I was up and alive and I could walk and I was doing actively doing things each day with that bone stimulator and by resting to try to heal my body for a longevity period as opposed to just focusing on the comp competition aspect. 
Well, in turn, I guess that is positive thinking. So that, that is pretty good that you kind of, you know, you had that motivation to say, hey, I'm going to get up. This is my life. I'm going to do it um, and stay focused and, and get better and better. What, what's your favorite Harry Potter character? Ooh, my favorite. So honestly, I think my favorite character. Okay, I have two. I love Neville Longbottom. I just think he's awesome. I love that he progresses into this like badass warrior by the end of the books. Sorry if it's a spoiler for anyone that's reading them right now. But honestly, my very favorite character is Bellatrix Lestrange. By far. Which is like super weird, super weird because she is a terrible human being and she's such an antagonist in the story, but she's also like this badass strong woman who doesn't care what anyone else thinks about her and she's gonna do what she's gonna do and if you're gonna be a villain like you better be upfront and confident about the fact that you're a villain and i just appreciate that about her very good all right um <laughs> that's good no that's a good i like the tangent that we went on um well, so <laughs> let me get your thoughts here so I, what, I, what i'm really curious about is those next few years after so you, you get the obviously the prognosis you you say, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start competing, though. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, not not going against doctors' words, but you know, trying to be cautiously optimistic, I guess, to say, "Hey, I could do this." Can you talk about kind of getting in and actually competing? How you structured your workouts? Um, what was important for you so that you didn't have this injury recur? Can you talk about those kind of the early moments there, getting back into it? Yeah, absolutely. So, really, once I went back after those after those months of resting and got told again. Uh, you're not healing. This is the way your body is. I basically asked, asked him at that time, well, what happens if I don't listen to you? Like, what happens if I go back into the gym? What if I go slowly? What if I build strength? What if I just, I take it easy and I don't try to go as heavy as I possibly can, but I still want to add a little bit of weight. And basically what he told me was, you could hurt yourself every single day just by stepping off the sidewalk. You could jar your back in some way you could go for a run and you could trip and fall so he said there's always a possibility no matter what that you're going to hurt your back or that your back's going to get worse or that something's going to happen so you could live your whole life and never lift weights again and be okay or you could live your whole life and never lift weights again and still really get injured doing something else totally normal you could live the rest of your life and lift weights and maybe you'll be okay you're probably going to have some pain or you could go lift weights and you could be in pain every single day of your life. Basically, this is your choice. This is up to you. I recommend you don't do anything, but it's your life. You make the decision. Good luck. Okay, so taking that as a 22-year-old, my brain is exploding. So I had to take a couple days and a couple weeks to really just think about like, what, what do I want to do? Do I want to give up? Do I want to be afraid to, of being in pain? Or do I want to try and see what happens? So I decided to try and see what happens. I knew with my background, I knew movements that could strengthen my core and my low back in a way that would protect the broken vertebrae. If I just left it alone and let everything get weak all surrounding it, then I knew it would hurt more because it didn't have any support. It didn't have any, any help to control the pain that could be in that vertebrae. So I knew that I had to do something, but I worked in very, very, very slowly movements of body weight, air squats, body weight, push-ups, everything that was strict and under control. So no kipping, no hyperextension, no swinging my legs front to back. And I did that for multiple months. 
I did not put a barbell on my back until the next year. There was a lot of movements that I completely avoided just because I was, I didn't see it as worth it to me to even attempt things like overhead squats and snatches and kinds of things that I just was more afraid of until I built strength. So those first six months back, basically, or those first four months back were really just me moving my body weight and learning how to control, obviously, all everything in my pelvic area, front, back, sides, hips, glutes, everything so that I could be in control of how my body moved under any duress so that I could learn how I feel when I do things and what is hurting my back. And I really just had to relearn how I, how I felt through movement until the 2012, 2012 season. So at this time, kind of leading in, the open comes back around again. I've done enough movements that I feel comfortable at least doing the open and seeing how it goes. I can always stop if I need to. I can always drop weights if I really need to, like whatever. There's no pressure on it, but I want to do the open. So I did the open and I did way better than I thought that I was going to and actually qualified for regionals. Went to regionals as an individual. There was some movements in there that were very scary for me. But honestly, I was just so happy to be at regionals. I did not care what my placement was. This at the time was like, I couldn't believe that I actually got there, that I actually made it through the open, that I was in, that I was not in pain, that I couldn't compete. So I made it through the entire weekend of regionals and actually ended up in the top 10, which again, very shocking for me. I just had all the, like, I didn't have any expectations on myself. Uh, after that regionals, there was a coach that I knew that was up at a gym in DC, which is where my sister lived at the time. So I had met him a couple of times. He knew my story. He knew the struggles that I had been through. He'd worked with me on a couple of things. He messaged me after the 2012 regionals and said, Hey, great job. So proud of you. I think it's really awesome. Do you still want to make the CrossFit games? So as soon as he said that to me, immediately all that fire, like I, that fire got lit. So if this guy's asking me this, really, this means that he believes that I can do it. He saw something in me. Maybe this isn't over. Maybe I can still train to compete at the games as opposed to just be happy that I'm training every day, not in pain. Maybe I am strong enough and this actually is possible. So I talked with him a little bit. He gave me all of the confidence in the world and said that he wanted to take me on and become my personal coach, my personal CrossFit coach to help me work through this next year to try to have a shot to qualify in 2013. So immediately I said, yes, if he was willing to to work with me enough, to put in the effort, to help me learn my back and what's good for it and what I can do to make it stronger over the next season. And he thinks, he believes in me enough to think that I have a possibility to actually make it to the games. Then I gave him my my full faith and my full trust. And I trained as hard as I could for the next year until the 2013 season in which I did end up qualifying for the CrossFit Games that year. I'm wondering if you can share with everyone, um, one of the things I get lost in, and I'm not a doctor by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just a lot of research I do in, in using logic. Um, one of the things that's been important for me, at least, especially over the last year is nutrition. And I realized I ate not poorly, but I didn't eat enough calories. And I noticed that this year as I started getting to CrossFit where I was not, not getting so much lightheaded, but didn't have the energy as much. And as I've, I've ramped up calorie intake and eating properly the last three, four months, it's been just a whirlwind change. So I'm prefacing that by saying or asking is, can you talk through, so folks that are listening that are working out, even if they're just running on the treadmill or doing something, I, I have a feeling that people don't eat enough. 
Can you just talk to like what was your nutrition like during your training? How how did you eat? How did you structure? What were your calorie intake? Um, and maybe it's important for tell people like your height. Um, if you want to say your weight, you can. I know some people don't like to say that, but just because to, to kind of to say, hey, this is okay to eat this much, or it's okay to put this in your body because it's going to help you get additional gains. That was a lot. Yeah. In that, but anyways, your thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, it's nutrition is a always a deeply packed question. There's always, there's never one solid answer. Everyone's always a little bit different, but I honestly have kind of an interesting background in, not background in nutrition, but journey of myself through nutrition. Obviously when I was a soccer player and when you're younger, it was like carb loading, like nobody's business, right? Like it was pasta night with bread and everything possible because the more starchy carbs that you can get into your system, the better you're supposed to be playing in the soccer game the next day, which as you grow, you realize not necessarily the case, like fat actually can be burned a lot more efficiently in longer periods of time than tons and tons of carbs that'll just get stored on your body. But I didn't know any of this at the time. And all we knew was big old carb load at night. So my whole soccer career, all I did basically every single day was carb load. It was nothing but like Ritz crackers, pretzels, a lot of, a lot of pasta, a lot of breadsticks and a lot of mac and cheese. That was most of my nutrition until I started training for the CrossFit games with my coach, Jeff Tincher at the time. What Jeff did with me, he was on, I mean, he's an OG level one staff. So he's been around CrossFit I don't even know, honestly, when he started, but I want to say it was like right when CrossFit started. He was at the 2007 game. So like he's been around for a long time. Back then, it was high priority in the CrossFit world that if you're going to get serious about nutrition, you're going to follow the zone diet. If Do you know what the zone diet is? I'm assuming. No, I don't. Please share. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So the zone diet is back back old CrossFit world, which is basically counting your macros, but they call it they call it something called blocks. So one block is basically like one macro block of each eaten macronutrient. So it, you break every meal into protein, carbs, and fat. So one block is seven grams of protein, nine grams of carbs, and one and a half grams of fat. So that would be one block. So you're basically weighing and measuring your food, but it just has its own vernacular based off of how they decide to call different foods in different meals. So you have a certain number of blocks of food each day. I, at the time, and still am, 5'8". Back then, I was probably about 142-ish, because I 142 pounds, because I didn't really have that much muscle on my body, but I wasn't like overly thin. Right now, I'm about 148 and I, with the muscle on my body. But when I started, I was about 142, probably a lot more higher body fat, a lot less muscle on my body. So he recommended to me at the time as a five, eight female that was training for the CrossFit games and doing a lot of training and coaching every single day that I eat 15 blocks, which is all, which is just totally straight up 15 blocks. I don't know in my head exactly how many calories that is, but I want to say it was only like 1500 max which he, based off of calculations, Zone had not been really delved into about what what is needed for a high-level competitive CrossFit athlete. So I started doing the Zone with 15 blocks a day and was training, coaching, competing, on my feet all day long, doing all this training. But I was very determined to do everything exactly by the book, exactly what I needed to do to make the CrossFit Games no matter what. And I listened to everything that he said. I'm a very all or nothing human being. So I was going to do exactly what he told me no matter what. So I did. I stuck to these 15 blocks for a very long time. 
I don't know how many months, but probably at least six months, seven months, probably roughly. And every once in a while, I would be so hungry still at the end of the day that I would have to text him and be like, can I please have some more food? And I literally would ask these questions and he'd be like, sure, eat two more blocks. So some days I would get up to 17 blocks total. And that was like a treat. So when I went, I went to go train with him in person, I literally walked in the door and he was like his jaw dropped because at this time I was now 5'8 and 133 pounds. So I had lost almost 10 pounds on a frame that didn't need to lose 10 pounds because I was so under eating based off of the amount of training that I was doing. And he just didn't even know it because I'm not a complainer. So I wasn't telling him every single day, like I'm hungry. I was just doing what I was told to do and doing what I thought I was going to do to be the most successful. So immediately he changed, he changed my diet. He put me up to 18 blocks. So we added three, but then added five times the fat onto my diet. So now every single meal I was eating five blocks of food, but now I was eating 25 blocks of fat at each meal. He was like, we have got to get more calories in your body. You have got to put some more weight on. But at this point it was almost regionals. So it was like almost a little too late. I couldn't add weight that quickly. So by the time regionals came with a new added fat source into my body, I felt better. I was lifting better. I was performing a little bit better. I probably got up to like 135, 136. And then I stayed there for the rest of the season, the rest of the 2013 season after having qualifying And then after then, then we kind of adjust a little bit. He gave me some more carbs. He gave me some more food overall for the 2014 season. So then I stayed on zone for the 2014 season. But then come 2015 is when the nutrition standards and the world of CrossFit and what seemed to be working for athletes started to change a little bit. And it started to get a little bit more focused on carb heavy and not fat heavy, just because of the nature of CrossFit workouts themselves. Most of them aren't really fat burning sources. Most of them is carb in and out. And then you're trying to go through carb sources, not your fat sources. So I totally switched my diet over from the zone to what's called RP strength, which is what I still follow and have followed for the last four seasons now, which was way more, carb heavy, way less fat and carb focused around your workouts. So finally, now I had figured out, I had switched my diet over and I started to gain muscle mass. I got back up to 145 pounds. I started to be able to lift more weights. I recovered better. I felt a lot better. So going into the 2015 season, I was now still 5'8", but about 145. So gained about 12 pounds on myself from the last two years, but felt better, recovered better, and stopped being afraid of eating carbohydrates because I knew that I needed them. Like my body was craving them. It was dying for them to build the muscle and to recover better and to sleep better and to just honestly function better throughout my days. So then I added in carbs. I stopped being afraid of it. And that's what I've been following to this day. That's awesome. And and that's actually a good transition because I want to get into a little bit um, in terms of you know, we can go in deeper the CrossFit games. And that's probably well documented and those type of things. But I'm really curious, especially where, you know, I try to talk a lot of folks around kind of this whole premise of, of you transitioned out of that. So you kind of do you call it retiring? Or I don't know if you call it retiring or putting it on a hold or whatever. But um, you've transitioned now into starting your own uh, teaching business and, and coaching folks. I'm curious if you can one, let's kind of bridge. Can you talk about kind of making that announcement and ending um, kind of being a, a competitive, I guess, CrossFitter, as you can say, into going into your starting your own business, uprooting, kind of moving to the Northeast. Can you talk about that journey um, and how that started? Yeah. So I I was on a team for the last three years. 
And being on that team was wonderful and it was good. And I absolutely loved it and every minute of it. But at this season, I started to feel like each day became 100% more of a job than it became something that I woke up and looked forward to doing every single day. And when I started to feel that, I knew that I was losing that strong desire, competitive edge and desire to compete anymore. I would do anything to compete with this team and to win and to accomplish our goals. But I knew that once that season was over, it was going to be hard for me to hold on to that and to want to do it all over again. If I was already experiencing these feelings every single day of training, I had started my Lindy Barber fitness, which is my online fitness company. I had started that a couple of years ago when I transitioned from being a full-time coach and head coach in a gym into just focusing on being an independent CrossFitter and a professional CrossFit athlete, because I still wanted to coach. I still absolutely love that aspect of my life. I didn't want to give that up, but I didn't want to coach in a gym anymore because I wanted to have all of my hours free to train whenever I felt like I needed to train and whenever my team needed me to train with them. So I did this online programming, but I didn't put my whole heart and effort and soul into it because I just couldn't. I was too, there was no way I could balance the two. There's no way I could give 100% to both. So I gave 100% to my athlete career and then gave, you know, the rest of whatever effort that I had left over to this online business. So after this last season, I just started to realize that I have had such a good run, like more of a success in this sport as an athlete than I ever humanly thought possible based off of all the stories I've told you. And the fact that I'm starting to come down off that high was just a good sign to me that it's time for me to, to shift my focus. I've had a great run. My back has held up till now. Thank goodness. It's worked with me. It's stayed with me. But I also had a lot more issues with it over the last season, this last year. I just had a lot more pain, a lot more flare-ups, a lot more things that were aggravating it in ways that it didn't used to. That I also knew that it was kind of knocking on the door and telling me like, hey, remember us? Like, we're still here and you're not getting any younger and this is getting harder and weights are getting heavier. Like, can we have a break? So with the pain that was happening in my back and the fact that my desire was starting to lack a little bit, I just knew that I needed that, that change and that transition. So I went through the whole 2018 season and at the end of my team knew, so knew they knew before regionals that this was going to be my last year with them. They knew that I was not going to compete with mayhem anymore and that I was going to move on. They did not know. And I honestly didn't really know hundred percent that I wasn't going to compete anymore. They just knew that I wasn't going to be on this team in particular. So when that, when the game season was over and we won, it was wonderful. And our goals were accomplished and we did what we went in to do. And then I immediately was like an emotional wreck because all of a sudden I wasn't on this team anymore. And I felt such honestly more of a relief that we had made it through and that I had accomplished this with them and that I hadn't let them down. And I was so happy that it was over and it was successful, but that I didn't have to do it again. And in that moment was like, okay, now I'm done competing. And this is within 24 hours having finished because I was so relieved and I, I immediately didn't have that spice again to want it again. I was just so, I felt so satisfied. And I feel like the fact that I felt satisfied meant that my competition season was over that if I feel satisfied that that means that I am good with what I did, but I need to find something else to, to hone in on my focus, which is what transitioned me into putting hundred percent effort on 
on my business. So now I'm excited to have all this extra time that I'm not in the gym, that I'm not worried about snatching, that I'm not worried about going in and getting that extra rowing interval in that I can spend on my athletes and, and building and inspiring and trying to help as many other people in this world as I can through with everything that I learned through my own career as an athlete and as a human. And I'm just very excited about making that transition. And like I told you, I'm an all or nothing person. So I'm really excited to make this my primary main focus and to give it as much of my effort as I possibly can to make it the best that it can be since I'm no longer going to be an athlete. No, that's great. And Hey, sometimes that transition's needed and you got to have a fresh start. Um, you decided, so I, I think I saw you moved up to the, the Northeast, if I recall, I'm, I'm assuming it's not, you just didn't want to shovel snow. Like what was the reason, any yeah. reason the Northeast kind of, uh, pick your uh, fancy? Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, my boyfriend had moved to Tennessee. So he got his master's. He was going to get his graduate degree. He had just graduated with his undergrad. He was looking for places to get his graduate degree in strength and conditioning. And Tennessee Tech had an offering for a graduate assistant position. And Tennessee Tech is in Cookville, which is where I was living and training at the time. So he decided to apply for and to take the GA position at Tennessee Tech so that he and I could live together down there. So he graduated last May, in May of 2018. And we knew that he wasn't going to get a job in Cookville. Like there just, there just wasn't anything there for him. So we were going to have to branch out a little bit anyway. So we kind of knew, and once I knew that this was going to be my last season with Mayhem, that we were going to be moving somewhere. We just didn't know where that was going to be. Wherever he was going to get a job was where we were going to go. He moved to Tennessee for me. So now it was time for me to reciprocate and to move wherever he got the job that he wanted. So really what happened was that we took the fall we were going to take the fall to just travel around, see friends, take some time, do whatever we wanted, go wherever we wanted as he applied and looked for jobs and found the job that was best for him. And what happened was that we came up to Boston to visit some friends. We just came up to hang out and to see some stuff and to visit some friends that we knew that lived here and Reebok HQ is up here. So we just wanted to come to Boston. He grew up in the Northeast. So he's, he loves the Northeast area anyway. And we visited this gym he and the owner of the gym got to talking and then, you know, four hours later, I'm like still working out, just waiting. And four hours later we leave the gym and he basically tells me that he got a job offer that all of a sudden the, he hit it off well enough with the owner that he wanted him to come and work up there, which is the coolest thing. So now all of a sudden, two weeks later, we're packing up all of our stuff and we're moving to Boston because he got a job offer that he couldn't refuse. So it all happened very quickly. We did not expect to be living in the Northeast, especially in Boston, immediately this quickly. We kind of expected that our transition was going to happen in the January for the start of 2019, but sometimes opportunities smack you in the face and we couldn't say no. So we had a very fast turnaround and all of a sudden we moved up to Boston. That's awesome. And what can people people expect with, um, so your programs you're doing, is it share a little bit of that? Is it, is it all online? Do you do stuff in person? Is there video conferencing about like, what what could they expect in terms of your training programs and, and the stuff you're doing there? Yeah. So I, I, most of the actual coaching that I do is online only because of location. However, um, the programming that they get is all personalized. We always have a phone call before we start. We can have a Skype or a face meeting if that's something that they're interested in. The programming is completely personalized to what they want and what they are looking for as an athlete and what their goals are and what they're hoping for. And it started out as a way that I could help other people that have back injuries 
get them back into CrossFit training and give them some hope as to, I can help you. I know what you're feeling. I know what you're going through. I know the emotions that you're having. Let me help you in every way that I can and give you some training that I know will put you back on the path to feeling good. And you don't have to be worried about the movements that I'm going to give you because I've been there and I know what can worry you. And now it's kind of transitioned into, I still get those athletes and I love those athletes that I get that I can try to give some hope to. But now I just have some people that just, they want to hit whatever certain goals are, or they're at home and they don't want to pay for a gym membership, but they have all this equipment, but they don't know what to do with it. So I have a lot of athletes that just have home gyms that just want some personalized programming based off of their goals are, but need to just work with the equipment that they have. So now it's kind of branched out into anyone and everything or anyone and anyone that wants to come in and get some programming that they just want some guidance and someone to tell them what to do. And it's really fun for me because I get to, they get to share videos with me and I can give them feedback and we can have a Skype call whenever they want. And we can talk on the phone and I can text them and give them support. And I just get to have these personal relationships with these people, which is so much fun for me. And I absolutely love that. But now that I'm in the Northeast and it's a lot more populated up here than it was in Cookville, Tennessee, which is where I was. I'm also offering and starting to try to get a lot of more interest in, I would love to work with you in person. I would love to do in-person training sessions with you. And now I have a couple set up from people that I've been working with online that now live in the Northeast. So I'm setting up uh, seminars to come to their gym, to work with them and to work with them in person and to give a seminar to their gym in general and trying to travel to all these different places. Now that's a lot more accessible for me. And I have some athletes that are coming into the gym that I'm currently at to do some one-on-one personal training. And I absolutely love coaching in person. I love coaching online, but it's not the same as getting immediate feedback and seeing their light or seeing their face light up when they realize that they've done something correct. And so that's just kind of what I feed off of. That's my personality. So I'm, I'm trying to branch out as much as I can from just online programming into individual personal training sessions into me coming in for a weekend to train you for a whole weekend training camp, really anything that I can do to coach as many people as I can throughout the process. And what would you share with folks? Again, whether people have been, you know, quote unquote, working out for a while or they, you know, they want to, you know, shed 50 pounds and they're ready to kind of get active. Is there any advice you'd share to kind of get them over the edge going? Um, Because I know a lot of people have the starts and stops of this stuff, um, especially when it comes to fitness and nutrition, anything you can share, any motivation, things that have worked for you in the past. I was just talking to someone else the other day that they, they wanted to know how I stayed motivated. And it's, it's kind of a hard, hard question because you're never always going to be motivated, right? Like there's never going to be something in your life that no matter what, every single day, every single day of your life, no matter what else is going on, you're a hundred percent motivated to go. It's about finding something that makes you happy, finding something that you want and being dedicated to whatever that thing is. So there was absolutely so many days in my CrossFit career that I wasn't motivated to go do another workout. I wasn't motivated to wake up early and to go get that training session in, but I was dedicated to the overall goal. And when I thought about what that goal was, it was worth it to me to to take that step and to get started on that workout or that day or to wake up, whatever it was. So I've always just had like a, if you have, if someone is kind of in between as to like, maybe I should start, maybe I shouldn't start, maybe I should miss gym, maybe I should check it out. You really just have to think about your why as to why you're even thinking about doing this thing. If it's so that you want to lose 10 pounds so that you can, 
you know, feel better or that your knees don't hurt as much, then that's a worthwhile goal that once you get started and once you just start it, you're not going to be motivated every single day, but it's going to be worth it. And you're dedicated towards what that goal is. So there's, it's always going to be on that path to, to success because you know that that end goal is something that you truly want. So it's not going to be nearly as hard to get there if it's something that you actually want to do. If you're just going to the gym because your friends are telling you to and you feel like, I don't know, maybe I actually should, then you might not be as successful because you have to find your reasoning as to what it is that you're doing and the goals that you have surrounded based off of that goal in itself. <laughs> Wonderfully said. Um, where can everyone find you online? Where, 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 you, where do you like to kind of play around? Instagram, website, share all the details with everyone. Yes. So my website is very easy. It's just Lindy Barber, all one word, lindybarber.com. That's where you can find all, all this stuff that I just shared on this podcast. You can find all my programming options, my emails on there. You can connect directly to me. My email itself is training with Lindy, all one word, all lowercase, training with Lindy at gmail.com. You're more than welcome to email me there with questions, comments, concerns, ideas, anything that you have that I can help you with. And then my Instagram is also just at Lindy Barber. And that's where I post the most. That's where I try to keep updated. That's not just purely businessy. That's also my life and what's going on and other things that I find interesting. But I would love to hear from anyone that wants to reach out on any of those platforms. Awesome, Lindy. Any final words, any parting shots, uh, a quote that you you know kind of live by, anything to, to kind of end on uh, that you'd like to share with the audience? Uh, my favorite quote is, don't let success go to your head, but don't let failure go to your heart. So no matter what you're doing, continue to be successful, but it's okay to fail. You will always fail, but that just means that you're one step towards that new success. Lindy, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on here and, uh, and chat through your story. This is really cool and uh, glad to you taking some time out of your day to do that with the audience and myself. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Hey gang, hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, you guys can find me online, brianondraco.com. That's B-R-I-A-N. O-N-D-R-A-K-O, as well as on Instagram and Twitter, at Brian Draco. And if you guys are loving this podcast, I certainly would appreciate a review on iTunes or Google Play. It'd certainly mean the world to me. Hope you guys have a great day, a phenomenal week, and look forward to catching you soon. Take care.